Welcome to Total Retail Talks, your podcast channel for retail knowledge. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Talks. I'm Joe Keenan, the Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I'm joined on today's episode by John Stratford, who is the Vice President of Global E-Commerce at Miller Knoll. John and I are going to talk about the uh, Miller Knoll brand portfolio and the e-commerce, specifically the e-commerce experience. Um, and Miller Knoll's relationship with Salesforce and the implementation of its Salesforce Commerce Cloud and the impact that that's had on uh, Miller Knoll's e-commerce business. So thanks for joining me today, John. Good to be here. To get us started, if you don't mind telling the audience a little bit about Miller Knoll, um, I know some are probably familiar with the company, others may not be. So to get us started yet, give us a little quick overview. Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, if, if Miller Knoll published a newspaper, I think the the top headline would read the description of a collective of dynamic brands that comes together to design the world we live in. And Miller Knoll is really a massive collective of brands is, is uh, the other understatement. I'd, uh, the other thing I'd underscore there. Um, you know, this is largely a combination of two brands that people may be familiar with if they're not familiar with Miller Knoll, and that's Herman Miller and Knoll, um, who was acquired um, uh, a bit ago. And so as those businesses have come together, they've effectively, you know, got a, a broad portfolio that enables, uh, you know, our business in design, modern design to meet customer needs and really do so through a really expansive portfolio of products uh, and specialties that are that are offered for our, for our customers. And this is, you know, a business that deals with residential home furnishing, uh, uh, home office space, uh, contract businesses, architects and designers, um, the list goes on and on. So there's there's just many arms to the business model itself, uh, hence the many, many different um, brands and designers that we actually have in the portfolio. Yeah, and the expanse of brands and then also the different product categories that you're in leads to probably many different types of customers. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the online experience of those customers. Uh, but before we do that, uh, first, thanks for the kind of background there on Miller Knoll. I'd like to get the same for you personally. Tell us a little bit about your professional background, um, your current role at Miller at Miller Knoll. Yeah, great. So I um, I am a lifelong e-commerce uh, uh, operator. I, I've got 25 years of experience in the space, uh, both. Um, you know, functional experience within the, the front end of, of managing different teams like marketing or merchandising uh, and, and more broadly on the general management side. So uh, the, the majority of my career has really been on the apparel side of the business. Um, I, I started at Gap um, and, you know, went through many, many different phases of, of job responsibilities and job descriptions there. Um, but the, the last title I had was overseeing the uh, global e-commerce operation for the Gap brand, which was uh, many different websites um, on a homegrown platform. Uh, and I spent a brief amount of time over at Stitch Fix. Um, uh, they're dealing with that convergence of um, uh, algorithms and uh, operations and managing the men's business and that subscription model, which then evolved into a direct consumer model. And then most recently joined uh, the Miller Knoll business. That was in February of this year. 
Uh, as you said, for my title, I'm responsible for the e-commerce uh, global operation um, as it comes to the strategies that we need to be successful as they touch our customers across that broad portfolio uh, that I mentioned earlier. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of experience in the e-commerce space uh, and talking about that broad portfolio of brands, can you talk a little bit about, and, and this might vary on a brand by brand basis, but talk about the behaviors you're seeing from your shoppers at the different brands um, online. And, 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 you know, as we you know, operate here in a kind of an uncertain economic environment, there's inflation, there's rising interest, uh, concerns of a, of a recession. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing from the Miller & Old customers that's shopping your brands online. Yeah. So the, uh, the, there's concerns or concerns that retail always has. Uh, so I don't know that there's anything specific to our brand uh, per se, other than uh, you know discretionary income as it ebbs and flows obviously has impact on retail at large. With that said, we have a uh, something maybe just to clarify a little bit of a different, um, or at least from my experience, uh, uh, model to think through here. When you think about home furnishing, and how much consideration is spent uh, when when determining you know what you want, uh, uh, what other options there are for you, how to find it. A lot of cross channel research and done uh, done with that. A lot of cross site research done. Um, the the key metric that I like to look at is traffic, and for us, you know, traffic continues to be very positive. Um, so the, the consideration set is really there. And, and then obviously with retailers, uh, whether you're talking about brand awareness or consideration, those two things together really tell you whether the, the path you're on is a good one. And so we are seeing really, really good response on that front. Um, the conversion piece is the one that ebbs and flows. And I think that some of the factors that you brought up, obviously, um, ha have, have some effect on that. And so what, what we are doing is a, a lot of work in just ensuring that um, we're, we're presenting the best experiences uh, and the best interactions with our customers at any given time that'll help them make the best decision uh, to, to buy what they need to. And you know that, that ebbs and flows. It is not a business like um, apparel in my background where I can tell you to buy a shirt today because I know you like shirts from us and buy a shirt tomorrow because I know you like shirts from us. Conversion just doesn't happen with that frequency. Um, I, I can imagine that uh, you probably only have one kitchen table, maybe two in your house. I can't sell you a third one likely based on the space. So uh, a little bit of a different model on the customer yep. journey side based on that. And then that that discretionary piece as well, you know, obviously to your point, how do you talk to that consumer and build that relationship when it's when you're selling a product that's not necessarily a, a must-have or a need to have? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's where a bit of the signal and the noise is important because um, you know, what a customer is necessarily looking for at any given point in time uh could be in the world of I'm considering redoing everything in my house and buying all the furniture, is at some point going to hone in on the thing that they're most interested on. And so when you think about, you know, uh, the, the, the way that you market uh, exposed products um, effectively are showing the right range of product, the right tools to make decisions, that's just critical in the shopping experience. And I'd say across retail in general, but in this 
uh, particular category, it's one where you know the the, the revenue opportunity is is quite great comparatively. Yeah. So thinking about that online experience, and you know, you mentioned it's a positive sign. Traffic, you're not seeing dips there. So that that awareness and that consideration is still happening for the the Miller Knoll consumer across the the different brands. As you get them onto your site, sites, I should say, plural. Um, talk about the experience that you're trying to present to them, and and the role that technology can help optimize that shopping experience. Yeah, so I think um, I've said a bit about this already, but maybe a great example, um, or what I would call a great example that I'd give you is um, some work we're doing with 3D configuration. And so um, when you think about, let me pick an example here, a um, uh, a task uh, seating chair uh, or your home office chair, um, using a little internal lingo there, um, <laughs> you're... Uh, you're there's so many options of what you can buy and build on the site, right? How you configure that product is going to be color choices. There's choices for arms. There's choices for the casters you choose on the wheels. There's choices for the base, the shell that, I mean, the list goes on and on. And um, when you're talking about buying something with that many choices and a price tag that's, uh, you know, in the high hundreds to multiple thousands of dollars, you know, you want to be really certain about what you are getting. And so for us, one of the things that we we have pursued and we have this product live on a number of our, our products today is this 3D configurable model that allows a customer to, as they make selections, the image on the site changes. And not only that, it's not just a flat image that you can right arrow and see the side and right arrow and see the bottom and right arrow and see the top, but it's truly a 3D rendering of that product that you have built out that allows you to rotate, zoom in, uh, you can download, you can share. So a lot of things that I think to help with the confidence of purchase and um, uh, solidify that, you know, the selection that you made is the right one before it shows up at your home in a humongous box that you have to unpack and then roll it out and look at it. Yeah, so I, I think that's a great example. A couple follow-ups there. One that is that tool, that 3D configurator tool, presented to the to the shopper once they reach the product detail page, or how do you kind of make them aware that that tool exists? So they help you know inform their purchase. And the second would be, I imagine you've got some data on conversion for people that are using that tool versus people that are not, and you know you're seeing a, a dividend, a payoff um, for people that are using the tool. Any thoughts on that, John? Yeah, both great questions. Um, my, my asterisk I should have put on my uh, uh, example that I gave you was we have this available on our contract B2B site, and we are in the process of exposing it on our direct-to-consumer site. Of course, the things that you mentioned are the things that will be measured to determine um, what type of benefits we're seeing from the, the um, presentation of this. It's starting out on those office chairs. I'm using uh, common terminology here, not to trip myself up again, um, as as our first approach with it. And you know, this is really about scaling it across the categories and things that have that um, uh, logical connection that we think in a customer shopping experience to actually do these renderings um, in a three dimensional manner. But I believe really strongly that uh, this is going to um, 
do a, a lot of good on the consideration side, but likely even just the, the add to bag and subsequent conversion side of things. The how we expose that is a great question too. And, um, you know, the, the natural discovery obviously is going to take place. We just looked at some UX renderings yesterday, and I think the team did a fantastic job of integrating it naturally into the shopping experience, but you can't just rely on discovery. And so I think we have that balance of the amount of products we're showing it on and then how we talk about it. We'll have some logical points that we can actually insert that as a marketed thing if we send out an email about um, uh, you know office chairs or the home pages about them, there's some logical statement points there. Um, but you know we also don't want to uh, indicate that this is a widely available tool until it truly is and have people spending right. a lot of time clicking on the product page of a couch trying to figure out how they can configure <laughs> it. it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want them looking for that tool if it's not available in the, in the product page that uh, that they're viewing for sure. Um, and it would ima I would imagine, given the uh, product categories in which you're selling, um, there's really a lot of practical applications for a tool like that, uh, you know, that uh, that makes it worthwhile to, to roll out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thinking about. Uh, the online shopping experience and it's a continual process of trying to to improve upon that experience that you're giving to your customer one of the things that you've done is partner with uh salesforce uh introduced uh or at least uh, implemented its commerce cloud talk a little bit about that relationship why salesforce commerce cloud and kind of the uh benefits that you're seeing from that relationship yeah so you know the the rear view mirror setup on this response would be um you know the, the retail business at large for uh miller Knoll and the brands that we have customer facing e-commerce sites for is relatively new and so when uh we had developed a roadmap for launching retail experiences for customers and this is before my time so i'm, I'm speaking from knowledge not experience here um you know we didn't have a full built out team to develop and uh, execute, you know, all of the things that you would do in an e-com operation as we're, you know, standing up and growing. And Salesforce was identified as the platform of choice because of the scalability involved with it. And, you know, the roadmap of what we had looking ahead to accomplish. And, you know, we worked with partners to help a lot with a lot of the integration work and the build so that it was something that we could, in fact, scale and grow. And then as we built out our internal teams, had the knowledge of the, the platform to, to really manage uh, from, a, from an internal standpoint as well there. So we've been, we've been pleased to date with what, what we've seen. And, um, you know, we, we continue to launch new sites. We just launched uh, our Muto business on the Salesforce platform this year. And uh, believe that is a, a really good platform for us to continue to scale with. As you get further into D2C selling, you mentioned this is a, a relatively new venture for Miller Knoll. Um, there are probably going to be new technology solutions, new tools that you think are going to enhance the shopping experience. And that's you want to implement them on the different sites. That could be a full-time job. There's so many things out there in the marketplace, providers that you can work with, tools that you could introduce. Tell us a little bit about the internal process for you and your team in terms of uh, vetting and then ultimately deciding and, and, and choosing a solution and rolling that out. Talk about 
kind of the process that happens at Miller Knoll. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it's it's a day to day live and breathe it process. <laughs> right, yeah, as, as you can imagine, it, it's there's no like one clear definition because there are so many puts and takes involved with it. But you know, we are still continuing to build out our our base level. Uh, foundational, I would call it work, the foundational work associated with our businesses. Um, and, and again, a reference back to the acquisition of Knoll, uh, they had a, a retail e-commerce space as well, different platforms, different tools, different systems, like infrastructure, very different. And so a lot of the work that really has taken place is laying out foundationally, where do we need some, some cohesion and like a unified approach? And then what are we going to do on top of that that's going to allow us to, I'm a big fan of uh, you know, testing uh, uh, one versus the other. And we have these situations where I think we're going to be able to take some of our integrations or solutions and just look at them uh, in a comparative way and, and make better decisions for what we go with in future state. So that kind of opportunistic work is built out on top of uh, that foundational work when it comes to the roadmap itself. And then as you can imagine, or may even know from experience, like you get these things that come in sideways that are necessary to develop for the business or, you know, new potential initiatives that size really nicely. And, you know, this is really just about brick in, brick out based off of uh, comparative, you know, opportunity, uh, the associated um, work that it's going to take to accomplish that from internal or external resources and the funding we have at that given point in time. Um, so I, I don't know if there's anything really magically different about our approach, but I think it works really well given where we are in our growth trajectory right now. So you're somebody that's been in the e-commerce space for, for a long time. Um, have a lot of experience here. I'm interested to get your perspective, John, on more of a macro level, and you can certainly bring this back to a conversation about Miller Knoll as well, but are there um, any e-commerce related trends, behaviors that you're, you're closely following, um, you know, as we record this at the end of January of a new year, talk about kind of what you're seeing uh, more on a, on an industry-wide perspective as it relates to e-commerce. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of topics that could probably span many hours of conversation here. Exactly. Um, right. <laughs> the, the one that is like always in my head, um, I, I'd like to think of myself as very much driven by optimizing customer experiences in the digital space. And for me, personalization is really important. Um, and especially when you think about our earlier conversation about kitchen tables, right? The, the value of the real estate on our site and the things which we can know about you that determine what you're looking for and help guide you through that, it is so important that we're able to pick up on that because otherwise we may inadvertently keep showing you kitchen tables and bounce you off the site more than you actually need to be uh, or want to be. And so I think personalization is one and there's like just an end-to-end -end approach there that um, has a lot of opportunity. The other piece is loyalty um that this has always been uh or i should say always nothing is always but in retail it seems like it's always been a, a topic of conversation and the evolution of this um as it applies to engagement in digital experiences and cross-channel experiences as well as a cross-channel business model that's one that um, i'm always keen to 
to unpack a bit of what's out there and what's new and what are people trying. Um, obviously, the value of that is tremendous in a in a uh, e-commerce or a retail space where you're really looking for a greater lifetime value. And um, even in a premium business like ours, you know, loyalty is essential um, in in both the how we engage with our customer and the output of, but the, what's the model we should use for um, uh, facilitating some of that. So I guess my follow-up may be connecting those two pieces that you talked about, the personalization and the loyalties, that data that, you know, that's that's kind of really the the cornerstone for fueling those personalized and ultimately, hopefully, a, a loyal relationship with the customer. Talk a little bit about data collection, what you're doing, how that factors into those two things that you just called out, John. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, and it goes back to, I think, even the question before, like, we have foundational work that's been underway to enable that. Um, so we have, you know, a customer data platform that um, we have, I wouldn't say completed the migration of all the customer data from all of our brands together into one, but there's certainly a consolidation that's underway. And we've got some work with the marketing side of the house in laying out some of the, the ways in which we're going to apply um, customer journey activities against that. Um, platform. The other piece is we have enabled uh, on our websites, uh, we have, we have a, uh, a partnership with Content Square, which is a amazing customer experience platform that allows you to uh, move from kind of like traditional metrics of measurement into much more modernized. And that is seeing how customers are engaging across experiences on the site and the journeys and identifying opportunities for improving those experiences. So I am a big fan of letting humans do what humans do best and machine learning do what machine learning does best and finding out how to get those two to marry together to make good quality decisions without questioning the other. And I think that we are on that uh, very early stage of that journey, but already seeing really good signs of uh, opportunities ahead of us. Yeah, that's a great, great segue into uh, wrapping up this conversation on a real positive uh, and look into uh, potential uh, growth opportunities for Miller Knoll. So I want to take this opportunity to thank John Stratford, again, the Vice President Global E-Commerce at Miller Knoll, uh, for joining us on this episode of Total Retail Talks. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me, John. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Joe. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Total Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Talks.